to Drilling Deep. Drilling Deep is the place where we drill deep into the issues of the day, and we talk about oil, which also needs to be drilled. I'm your host, John Kingston. We've got my colleague, Andrew Cox, on later today to talk about what he's seen in the run-up to the holiday season, how pandemic finances are impacting demand for goods that might need to be moved on trucks, and how tight that driver market is. First, though, we're going to take a few minutes to talk about diesel and something that happened this week that hasn't happened in at least 30 years. We've talked on Drilling Deep before about how inventories of diesel in the U.S. and the world are very high compared to norms. They're not just high. They are some of the highest ever when you measure them in terms of days cover, how long those inventories could cover demand if all production stopped. It's a great number because it's so easy to digest. That number earlier this year crossed 50 and stayed there for weeks. Totally unprecedented. The series that the Energy Information Administration puts out goes back to about 1991. It had crossed 50 a few occasional times over those years. The idea that it would be over 50 for weeks on end, again, unprecedented. What happened was that refiners ended up making more of distillate and diesel than they wanted to because they had to make some distillate of which diesel is part of that, and they really didn't want to make jet fuel, which is also a dislip because of the collapse in air travel. So the end result was really big inventories of diesel and other non-jet fuel distillates. Even though the day's cover number did slip below 50 a while back, it's been up around 48 or 49 for weeks. Again, unprecedented. That number should be in the low 30s. And in the report that came out this week from the EIA, we had something we've never had before. The day's cover number dropped more than six days in one week. Again, unprecedented. I got blurry-eyed looking for the second biggest drop in reviewing 30 years of data. I had to graph it to make sure that that six days number from last week was, in fact, the lowest ever, and it was. Uh, I still don't know what number two was, but it was significantly less than six. So what happened? A couple of things. First of all, demand for diesel surged over f- to over 4 million barrels a day. That's not a super high number, but it hasn't been there for quite some time. You know, this has been always one of the strange thing in the data in recent weeks. We have this great trucking market, but demand for diesel isn't really showing it. This week, it did show it, an increase of 330,000 barrels per day of demand. That's very big for one week. On top of that, refiners have been working hard to make less distillate, including diesel. It's not easy to do. You can't just go in and turn a switch. You have to do some engineering, some chemical engineering, different kind of crudes. Uh, they were making more than they wanted to. But you know what? They, they, they managed to accomplish a significant drop. They made about 4.26 million barrels of bar- barrels per day of distillates, including diesel. That's the lowest figure in about seven years. So you take more demand and less supply, and you saw inventories drop down to 42 days cover. As again, six days from the week before, the biggest ever one-week drop. Then there was another report, uh, the monthly data from the International Energy Agency. It shows that European diesel inventories are getting down toward at least being no higher than the higher levels of the past, meaning that they're still high, but they're not setting new records. And then we have this news out of the U.S. about the day's cover, you know, country by country numbers and region by region numbers don't really matter all that much because really it's one big global market. That's why the European numbers do matter, even if you're a U.S. consumer of diesel. What was interesting is that the diesel price didn't budge on this news. But do remember what happened this week. If the diesel market starts to turn compared to the price of crude, this may be the week where it started to happen. The global oil market is still burdened by lots of supply 
and probably isn't going to move significantly higher anytime soon. But diesel has had this double pressure where the price of crude is low, plus diesel has been relatively low compared to crude. Given some of the numbers we've just seen, that may be about to end. We're going to pivot now on Drilling Deep as we do about this time. And we're going to speak to a colleague of mine, Andrew Cox. He's a research analyst with Freight Waves. He does a lot of things at Freight Waves. He studies a lot of things. And one of the things he also does is put out a lot of the passport research that Freight Waves produces. And as a result of that, he can talk about pretty much anything. So, Andrew, welcome to Drilling Deep. Thank you. That is a that's a big introduction. Uh, I I call my yeah I know a little bit a little bit about everything a little bit of jack of all trades uh, here at Freightwaves get bounced around a lot but I'm excited to be here and thank you for having me. All right, so let's let's talk first about something that's coming up and I know you've been doing some research on and that's the holiday season. And you know when I look at some of the data uh, about the economy right now, uh, it does appear that one thing is that people's savings rate is off the charts. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're putting more in the bank. They're spending less on things that uh, where you have to go and be around other people. So there's less travel, there's less restaurants. And the fact is, while, you know, a good chunk of the economy is dealing with unemployment and lowered hours and lowered compensation, if somebody's got a full time job right now, those people tend to be a little bit flush with cash. And um, the in some ways, the holiday season has that behind it, that kind of tailwind that might make it a very good one for buying and might also make it a very good one for trucking. So what has your research showed about about the season and you know how I mean look the season is already well should be well into swing I mean we're you know halfway through October today how strong is it going to be Yeah John I agree with you I think we have a strong holiday season ahead of us for a couple of reasons the first one hit there which you hinted at was the lack of service based spending so the biggest one there is travel. So no airlines, no lodging, pretty much. That spending's way down. At one point back in February, it was roughly 5% of total card spending. Uh, this is according to Bank of America data that I follow pretty closely. It's now about 2%. So that, that doesn't seem like a lot, but... That oh, money is now that that's huge, and that money's now been uh, spread out across other goods-based services or other goods-based uh, industries, rather. So they're buying more groceries, they're buying more clothes, they're buying more furniture, especially home improvement goods and online electronics. Uh, even spending more at department stores than they were back in February or compared to October of last year. So you're exactly right. There's kind of a, a there's also a dichotomy um, divulging here between the people that have lost their jobs. These are typically service-based uh, service-based positions. They have lost their jobs or they've had to take major pay cuts or, or working less overall. Uh, but then you've also had a lot of people that kept their jobs and also got a $1,200 stimulus check. And they're, they've been able to save a lot of money because they haven't had uh, those, those services to spend their money on. So they've either bought more goods or they've put it in the bank. So I think that there's a I was a bit worried that that we would need another round of stimulus to ensure that we'd have a, a strong holiday season. But the, the closer we get to it and the more I see, uh, whether it be consumer survey data come out, we, we saw that both the conference board's consumer uh, consumer sentiment index or consumer confidence index rather, and the University of Michigan's consumer sentiment index, those hit pandemic highs in September, despite the waning unemployment benefits. The, the more and more I look at things and the closer we get to this holiday season, I think we don't need that. I think there's a savings buffer. And I think people, uh, the, I mean, Americans have proven time and time again, if you give us free money, we're, we're going to spend it. And you're seeing strong holiday, uh, you're seeing strong spending on most goods categories right now. I, I just read today in the latest Bank of America data that um, that retail spending's up 8% year over year for uh, retail spending's up year, 8% year over year for the last latest week, which is the 
the the tenth, uh, the the second week in October. So I think it's going to be a really strong holiday season, and we can get into capacity here in a moment. But on on the demand side, it's going to be good. Well, let's talk about what are some of the numbers you're seeing so far that's, that make it just not a guess that lead you to that conclusion. Um, sure. Figure whether it's in freeway sonar or, or other numbers that are showing you that the season is kicking back into the trucking side of things. Well, the first one is, you know, we take our outbound tender volume index and sonar. That is a measure of, you know, an overall measure of uh, demand in the trucking industry. And we've had to I've had to account for the amount of retendered loads in there or the amount of uh, tendered loads that were rejected in that outbound tender volume index. It's a pretty simple formula you can do. You can just take the inverse of the outbound tender rejection index. Uh, So right now, OTRI is about 25. So you can multiply the total amount in the outbound tender volume index by 0.75, and you can kind of get an idea for an accepted tender volume index. And if you do that to to smooth out for some of the retendered loads, the, the trucking volumes are running up uh, roughly 20, 25%, roughly 20% year over year right now, which makes a lot more sense than when you look at year over year app on tender volume index, it says up, up 40, 50%. That's, you know, pretty crazy. But if you do a little bit to account for those, uh, those retendered loads or those rejected loads, you can see that things are running up 18 to 22% year over year. And it's been that way for a couple months now. Uh, things have been strong. They continue to be strong. And I, th- I, th- I would think moving into the holiday season with the, the savings buffer that people have uh, and the overall lack of spending on services, they're going to, we, we've proven that they're going to be spending on goods so far this year. And I think that will continue into the holiday season. Yeah, I mean, if at the start of the pandemic, you would have predicted numbers like that. They probably would have carted you away. And, uh, mm-hmm. of course, you know, let's go back to what you said before, 5% spending on that kind of discretionary travel, restaurants, et cetera, down to 2%. You know, that's more than a 50% drop. A lot of that money has got to be diverted here, and that's why you're seeing kind of some of the numbers you're seeing. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and that, it's funny that you said that you'd be carted off. I. I thought the same thing. I wrote it in the the pricing power index last week. I said, if you would have told me that uh, one, that we'd have volumes at this type of level and that we would see trucking rates at $3 a mile in the middle of this pandemic where we have 10 million people on continuing claims for unemployment benefits, I would have said you're insane. Uh, This is not something that I I would have expected but I'm sure to be happy reporting on it. And yeah, going back to that number, I said it was 4.7% of total spending is on travel, which is just airline and lodging. That, that's without looking at restaurants. So restaurant spending is down from about 12% to 10.5% of total spending. So again, that 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 money gets uh, spread out across groceries and more clothing and furniture and home improvement as well. All right. Now you talked, you mentioned capacity earlier. Uh, we know capacity's tight. You talked about the OTRI. OTRI is probably the best indicator out there of capacity. Uh, what are the factors going into this? Uh, you've got significant unemployment, which you would have thought that some people maybe who had left the field, still had the CDL, uh, might have be willing to come back to, 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 to find employment. If that's happening, it certainly isn't happening on any large scale. I've been seeing a lot of references recently to the drug and alcohol clearinghouse mm. after X number of months really starting to kick in and have an impact on capacity. What do you blame some of this tight market on? Well, I think back to even before we knew coronavirus was going to be serious in the U.S. back in January and February, people were already then calling for a end of second quarter, third quarter capacity crunch just based on the fundamentals uh the fundamentals of the market. And that was something that, that we were kind of playing up at Freight Waves. We thought that that would happen. And then, of course, COVID hits and, and 
everything has been thrown haywire. But the, the fact of the matter is that you've had under replacement rate um, new truck orders since uh, I'd have to look back in the exact data, but all of 2019 far below replacement rate. We've just now gotten to in the in the last month above replacement rate um, purchases of and, new trucks. And that's, and that's tractors. And of course, we had a report this week about trailer numbers, which as Alan Adler put in his headline for the story were bonkers. They were yes. so high. They were. The, the, I mean, the, the new tractor is, I think it was like 50,000 on the month, which is more than the, the, the previous couple months combined. It's, it is bonkers, uh, which we can also get into in, here in a moment. If you want to get into you know, what that's going to mean for the market, it feels a lot like 2018 in, in that sense that people, as soon as the, the going gets good, people explode orders uh, of trucks and trailers. Um, the only thing that's different here is that fundamentally the market needs more freight right now than it did back then because of the, the e-commerce. Um, so that that's a, a positive and gives a little bit more substance there. Um, but where, I, where was I about, about capacity? And that uh, job, I lost my train of thought. We can, we can edit that out, I guess. Just, just keep talking and I'll, I'll tell Duner to, okay. you know, to get around this one. Okay, great. Um, Just start speaking when you're ready. He'll he'll yep. edit it right out. Yep, yep. I'm trying to get my train of thoughts. Uh, you were talking capacity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying not to ramble. I'm trying to give you a sound bite you're, here. You're doing fine. You're doing fine. Okay. You know, the, the truth is right now is that we have an increased demand and we've had this replacement rate far below. We've had the, the truck orders far below replacement rate for a long time. So we have a lot of, you know, we have this increased demand, demand up 20, 25 percent on 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 loads. And we just simply don't have enough trucks right now. Demand is outstripping capacity in almost every region of the country, especially the big markets, especially on the West Coast, where import volumes have been have bounced back very quickly. And I've spoken to, I've done a couple of webinars on cross-border trade over the last couple of months. And the people running cross-border from Mexico to the US are as, as worse as it gets. We're talking load to truck volumes uh, upwards of 40, 50, 60. So they're down there dying for capacity. And the truth is that because there's so many other good options around the country, truckers are avoiding having to go to the border if they, if they can. Have you have you looked at all about the at the drug and alcohol clearinghouse and what kind of impact that's having? I you know we were keeping up with it uh, pretty closely. They're the first couple months of the year. We were expecting that to to be a significant thing, something that could take three, four, five percent of the drivers off the market. I can say that I I haven't been keeping up with it as closely in, in recent months simply because there's so much else going on. But I mean, have you been keeping up? What do the numbers look like recently? Yeah, I mean, again, there, there's starting to be suggestions that, yes, in fact, this is taking people out of the market. And as we talked before, you know, you, you, you move 2% in any kind of a market mm-hmm. and uh, on the supplier demand side, that's a lot. I still remember uh, back to my oil days when Libya first started falling into chaos in 2011. And I heard a TV commentator said, oh, they're only 2% of the market. It won't be a big deal. And I thought, ah, that's not true. I mean, if you suddenly take 2% of the supply out yeah. of a fairly balanced market, that is enormous. And so, uh, you know, if, if, if the drug and alcohol clearinghouse is, is adding or draining capacity out, even if it's, you know, a couple of percentage points on top of the fact that you already probably drained a lot out of it last year when the market stunk. Uh, and then maybe drained a little bit more like in April when the market was at historic lows, you know, that's going to tighten things up. 
No doubt. I mean, I remember thinking, I remember hearing about Eric Fuller talk about, uh, you know, the, the CEO of USX. He spoke earlier in the year when people had, where the drug clearinghouse was just starting to roll out. And he was saying then that it was already bigger, collecting more names than uh, than he was expecting at the time. So, and you're right about that with just a, just a small amount of percentage can make a huge difference. Think back to the meat production in the U.S. back in uh, back in April, one Tyson plant in the Midwest shut down, and that took out four percent of the pork production in the entire country. And pork prices doubled at my at my local Walmart. Yeah, I'm looking forward to USX's earnings call because Eric Fuller, the CEO, um, as you said, he, he he seems to cover this issue closer than anybody. And uh, I think part of it is because USX is maybe a little bit more dependent upon hiring outside capacity, uh, but but he, he is as knowledgeable as anybody in following these trends. And it's going to be very interesting to hear him say uh, what's been going on with the drug and alcohol clearinghouse. And as you said, you're right. Uh, I mean, I listened to a, a presentation he made to an investors conference last year. And again, all pre-pandemic. And he was predicting really tight markets uh, for capacity with the drug and alcohol, alcohol clearinghouse as one key reason. Yeah, USX has thread the needle, it seems, very well with that new variant product. Uh, everybody was questioning them. Why were they going out and buying tractors when everybody else wasn't, when margins were low towards the end of last year? But it's seemingly they, they, t- they thread the needle perfectly. All right. Let's talk a little bit about what you're doing at FreightWaves. Um, you're, you're heading one of our communities. And um, these aren't canned questions because I've been here working away, writing stories left and right, and I'm not that familiar with the community. So not only will we be educating the audience, you'll be educating me. <laughs> sure. So this is something that we haven't quite yet rolled out. We're beginning to uh, you know, formalize the ideas of what they're going to be. But FreightWaves has, uh, has long you know, thought of shippers, especially in kind of this monolithic way that 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 if you if you sell goods, you're a shipper. But the truth is that I don't think shippers really identify like that. They identify by their segment. So we're going to, especially with the shippers, try to break down content and build communities around certain segments in in the industry. So I think I'm going to head this what's going to be a retail and consumer supply chain community. So the, the content will be focused, the, the, the primary content or primary um, audience will be supply chain specialists at retail and consumer companies. But of course, there will be content. The secondary audience is anyone that's, in, that's uh, interested in the consumer and retail side of the economy. Uh, so I'm right now, I'm, I'm currently building out the first newsletter. That's going to be the main form of communication. It'll be a daily newsletter in which I post all kinds of stories. If you know anything about Morning Brew or any of the newsletters that are kind of short, quick hitters uh, that give you all the information that you need to keep up with your day and, and, and have good water cooler talk, as well as give you some insights into what the next couple of weeks or months will look like, that's what this is going to aim to do. And it will also come, we're going to add on some video and audio content as well. Uh, we don't really know exactly what it's going to look like, but we know that we're going to bring the best and brightest of that reach of the retail and consumer sector together and share information between each other. Now, will these stories just be freight wave stories or if you find something else of interest to somebody in that community, would you might put that in your newsletter as well? Yeah, I think I'm going to be open to to most anything, uh, to tying together a bunch of different sources. You know, as as good as FreightWaves is, and as many writers as we have out there, there there are stuff that we can't cover and that we're not that we're not able to get to. So yeah, I'm going to bring in I'm going to bring in outside stories as well as you know whether it's a, a Twitter thread that I found interesting or, or or something on Reddit that 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 is pertinent to the industry. It's going to be a a, a smorgasbord of of all kinds of things, retail and consumer supply chain focused. 
I can tell you something from being in the media. When if somebody sees something like that in a Freightways product, even if it's a link out where out to that, they will tell other people, "Oh yeah, I saw it in Freightways." <laughs> so yes, um, that actually just being the gateway on a link is uh, is really good. It's a it's a good thing to be. All right, let's switch back to let's switch back to the market. So, what do you? You know, there's been all this talk about peak season and whether peak season is um, important anymore or not. When does it start? When does it end? Mm -hmm. Where do you think we are? We're sitting here in the middle of October. Where are we in the peak season? Well, I think about the strategies from retailers, whether it's uh, Amazon starting their Prime Day this past couple of days, or it's Target and Walmart trying to compete with Prime Day. Uh, they're also spreading out their Black Friday deals throughout the month of November to to you know try to get away from some of the disruptions and some of the big in-store rushes. I think we're right in the thick of things. I think this is the beginning uh, of of the peak season. I think we're going to see it last a long time. And I think this is a change that's going to going to continue next year, even if Amazon is, moves their Prime Day back to June or July, whenever they have it in midsummer. I think they're still going to have some sort of event mid-October where they try to start this this peak season early and elongated as much as they can. They're going to offer the same deals in store as they do online to discourage people from coming in the stores. But I think we're right in the thick of things. All right. Um, final question here. Uh, do you have any prediction yet for 2021? <sighs> uh, in, in what way? Trucking well, markets? I mean, do you think it's going to be a yeah, continued strong market or is there is this a lot of inventory rebuild, a lot of inventory pull forward? Um, do you see this continuing into the first half of next year? I see the demand staying fairly strong into the first quarter. Uh, I, I don't think airlines and travel spending, I think a lot of the service-based spending, concerts, gay, you know, whatever else we do out in big groups of people, those are still going to be unavailable to us until we have a vaccine, which I don't expect until summer or, or you know, widely distributed until late next year. So I think there's still going to be an additional good spending. But on capacity side, I, I see a lot of carriers trying to expand and take advantage of the rates right now, uh, likely bogging down the market market a little bit moving into next year, similar to what we saw, how quickly this market turned in 2018. I, I see not quite as quick this time because I think demand will stay relatively high, but I think we're not going to be looking at Otri at 25% come February and March. Yeah, Otri 25% is not sustainable. I, I know that, you know, I would, I, I don't, my history is not in the trucking industry. And when Otri hit 25% in that first year that I worked the freight waves, I thought, wow, this is maybe kind of like the norm. Well, you know, <laughs> we got at four or five percent, and not all that much long after. So uh, it was very interesting. So Andrew Cox, uh, he's a research associate at Freightwaves. He's my colleague. He covers all sorts of things and looks at all sorts of things. I want to thank you for being our guest today on Drilling Deep. Thank you very much, John. I've enjoyed it a lot. And as uh, noted, you have been listening to Drilling Deep. We are part of the Freightcast family of podcasts from Freightwaves. You can find us on all of the main podcast platforms. I'm your host, John Kingston. Please join us again. Mm -hmm.